everybody, this is Robbie. And in this insight, we actually have a special guest, good friend of MixingLight.com, Brom Desmond. Brom, how are you, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me. And the reason we had Brom on for this insight is because Brom is probably the most knowledgeable person that I know in the industry on two things, when it comes to monitor technology and everything having to do with monitors, because of course, uh, Brom runs the rocket ship we refer to as Flanders Scientific, and of course, they make amazingly high quality uh, reference monitors, LCD, OLEDs, uh, both for post-production, of course, as well as in the field. And in the course of making super high quality monitors, um, Brom has kind of uh, learned everything there is to know, I think, right, Brom? Everything there is to know uh, about monitor calibration. And, um, you know, over the over the years, Brom and I have talked a lot about calibration. I've gotten more into it. I've invested in gear. I've uh, screwed up monitors. I've done stupid things that have uh, him raise his eyebrow when it comes to calibration. But he has always been there as a fantastic resource uh, for calibration questions, setting me on the right path, uh, giving me resources and that kind of stuff. So in this insight, I wanted to get Brom on because we want to talk about two uh, new calibration meters that have just come out into the market in the past few months. Um, and Brom, this is, these two guys are the CR100 and the CR250 uh, from uh, Colorimetry Research. And to those who are, don't follow the calibration industry, color imagery research is not a name that I think pops out of people. You know, X-Rite, you know, photo research. What's the backstory on color imagery research? Do you know? So uh, the uh, one of the gentlemen who started the company uh, worked for another major uh, probe manufacturer for a very, very long time. And um, basically has gone off on his own now and, uh, and uh, started a company that makes an incredible probe uh, that we've tested against uh, all the other probes that we have and um, is just a phenomenal value uh, considering how accurate they are. Um, what we also really like about this and that has kind of blown us away as a relatively new uh, company in the market here, Color Entry Research is form factor and build quality on these probes is just outstanding. It actually looks better than some of the $30,000, $40,000 probes <laughs> we've invested in. You, you don't get this big, ugly, strange-looking bent steel box. You get this nice machine piece of aluminum, and it, it just looks really serious, and it's lightweight. It's very durable, and um, it's, it's just been fantastic. It's really blown us away. Well, so there was two things that uh, you, you said there that I really kind of uh, uh, found too when I got my hands on, uh, on these meters to check them out. They are so compact. Um, yeah. You know, I have a, um, a Jetty spectral radiometer and I've had various uh, color meters over the years. I mean, this thing, you know, there's a, there's a picture on the color imagery research page of the meter next to a pencil. Uh, yeah. to, to give it to you know give it some scale uh, and it re you know it really is that light I mean you could put yeah. both you know all you know a couple of these in a little pelican case and walk around and be have a lightweight calibration package you know yeah absolutely we, we've got these uh, little custom carrying cases actually now that will fit both a CR100 and a 250 inside and uh, I mean it's just it's it's tiny I mean the, the form factor is is one of the best things about it especially for guys who travel a lot um, you know we know a lot of DITs who like to do kind of calibration on the floor Fly wherever they are, 
Um, and also just for my own selfish reasons, you know, as someone who travels the world with these things, not having to lug around this, this heavy uh, additional device is nice. You know, you just have these compact little things you can throw in a laptop bag and, and get going. Let's start with the, um, the CR100, the color meter, because sure. I think, um, you know, looking at it, I think this is probably going to be the product that uh, most colorists, most sort of, you know, small shops, that kind of stuff are probably going to have the most interest in. And not because of you know its size and its form factor, but really because of its price. It starts Absolutely. at it starts at what? It's like between five and six grand somewhere around there. It's actually uh, four thousand nine hundred ninety dollars is is the list price on on the CR one hundred, um, and basically that's that's a, you know everything you need at least for basic measurements. It comes with its own software. Um, it is also compatible with other software on the market, um, and uh, you know. Again, besides form factor, like you said, one one of the great things about it um, is, is the price, but also the accuracy at that price. Um, we we have seven and twelve thousand, thirteen thousand dollar colorimeters in house, um, and you, you know all things being equal, when you do comparative tests versus this five thousand dollar probe, it handles just as well. It measures just as well in the low lights. It's just as repeatable um, from our testing so far. It's just as stable over time. So there, there's really no downside, and, and that's what's been remarkable about this, because usually when you talk about lower-cost colorimeters, you, you give something up. You give up low-light accuracy or repeatability or absolute accuracy, um, and that just isn't the case there. So, Brom, some of our members might not be all that familiar with some of the underlying technology of calibration meters, uh, specifically the differences between a spectroradiometer and a colorimeter. Yeah. Um, can you describe to us kind of how a colorimeter works and kind of what distinguishes, you know, a $5,000 colorimeter from, you know, the old $50 cheapo that you can buy down at the Apple store? Yeah, sure. So uh, basically a colorimeter um, uses uh, uh, photodiodes that, that basically accept light and you have little filters in front of them. Um, and those filters are your red, green, and blue filters. Um, and really what separates the high-end colorimeters from the low-end colorimeters more than anything else um, is the quality of the filters used. So how well do those filters mimic the human eye's own response? Um, so that's, that's one part of it. The other thing is the actual um, the, the uh, photodiodes or the receptors that, that are used, how um, – how sensitive they are, so uh, how how well into low light you can measure. And that's another place where you're going to have um, a big difference between something like this and, and a lower-end probe. The other thing is the onboard memory. Um, so you can actually store all these different matrices like we were talking about uh, from, from spectroradiometers um, for different display technologies. With some other lower-end probes, you may have one or just a few positions, or you may have none and everything has to be done on the software side, so you're not really storing those, mm -hmm. those calibration offsets onto the probe. So those are some of the things. Um, and what you're really looking for when you're looking at, at a colorimeter is you're looking, again, for low-light sensitivity. You're looking for absolute measurement speed you're looking for repeatability and repeatability is one of the big ones um, you know and that that's really something separate from accuracy so when you're doing a big profile and building 3d lots and things like this you want to make sure that when you're measuring you know a 10 percent gray patch that your readings aren't just going all over the place you want something that is very repeatable so you have valid data for making those LUTs. when 
you know, we talked about some of the construction of the CR100. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that, you know, I, I, besides its small package of it, obviously it was very dense, very well machined. Does yeah. that does that play into it all sort of the um, sort of, I guess, the lack of a better term, the protection of those filters? I mean, like I know a lot of uh, meters are, you know, impacted by temperature and all those yeah. kind of things. Does that construction of the unit help its accuracy by shielding those filters and things like that a little bit better than maybe a lower cost meter? Yeah, so one of the things, especially over time, that ends up being concerned is um, how, how much the probe drifts. So we all, you know, why do we calibrate? Well, in large part, we calibrate because monitors drift. And kind of the, the missing thing that, that a lot of people don't think about is, oh, you know what, probes drift as well. Right. And what you want is a probe that drifts as little over time as possible. So part of that is protecting those filters. Um, heat is certainly part of that equation, but more than anything else, what you want to avoid is moisture. Uh, most our, our, our filters are hygroscopic, and so they actually absorb moisture over time, and that's one of the main things that leads to drift. So these filters are protected very well. The other big thing, though, is that they're in a CR100, there are basically no moving parts. Um, so uh, that makes it a solid-state device that... Uh, is basically built so you can also use it in production facilities. So certainly in a post-production environment where you know you're going to be careful with the probe and set it on a tripod, it's no big deal. But this is actually built to be put on like you know moving XYZ tables in production facilities where they're accelerating these things very quickly to go from one monitor to the next in a production line. So certainly what you're going to do with it in a post environment is not going to damage or hurt the probe over time. Uh, and that's huge. It's, it's an important part of it. And especially, again, for those who are going to be traveling with the probe, um, that's, uh, that's very useful as well to have something that you know is essentially bulletproof. Now, in terms of connectivity, I'm guessing that it's just USB. So it's just a straight USB connection from the meter to a uh, computer? Correct. And one of the awesome things about this is unlike some of the, um, uh, some of the other probes on the market, there's no separate power source required other than USB. So it doesn't draw a ton of power. We evaluate a lot of probes here. and um, The CR100, certainly, um, that's nice that it runs off of just USB, but so does the CR250, the more the, the higher-end uh, spectroradiometer. Certainly, when you get into spectroradiometers, most spectroradiometers require a separate power source. Um, all the high-end ones either have to have a, a, a big onboard battery or need a separate power supply, and you don't need that with any of the colorimetry research products. So, um, you know, one of the things that I've noticed when I've gone to the website, um, besides, you know, their website is actually human readable. I find like I go to a lot yeah. of I go to a lot of uh, calibration websites, and it's just like math, uh, which is exactly. which is very refreshing. I did notice on the website that besides the CR100, there is the CR200. That appears to have an integrated viewing system. So can you describe when you'd want to use the CR200 over the CR100 since technology-wise are the same? And can you also describe how the meter is actually used? I mean, is it a contact meter or do I need to be back from the monitor and line up my readings? Yeah, so that's a great question. So the, the main thing here is uh, with CR100, you're going to have the rubber hood on the end, which makes it safe to put up against the screen and also provides you uh, shielding from ambient light, which again, for people using it, especially in less controlled environments like your 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 DITs who might want to be doing uh, you know a quick calibration on yeah. set, um, that's very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and there's no viewing optics on a CR100. So that means that you, you can't look through a little viewfinder and see what it is you're aiming at. But when you're putting it right against the screen, that's kind of a, you know, not, not a big deal. Um, that being said, the CR100 doesn't have to be placed right against the screen. If you, if you wanted, you know, and this has kind of gone you know, out of favor as of late, but, but for those who still want to kind of take into account their ambient lighting, you can actually back the probe up from the screen a bit and still take perfectly valid measurements. You just want to make sure you don't back it up so much that you're, you're measuring outside of the screen area. Sure, yeah. uh, but that's why if you, if you look at their site, um, the spot sizes are, are listed for various viewing distances, uh, and that gives you a good idea. Um, placed right up against the screen, I think you're getting around a 20-millimeter spot size, which for most you know, normal-sized monitors is going to be fine. Uh, where you're going to want to back the CR100 up or maybe even consider a CR200 is when you're doing um, a much larger uh, panel uh, and you may want a larger spot size so that you're not just measuring a handful of pixels. Um, or perhaps if you're measuring a, um, if you're measuring a projector and you want to be, uh, have a better idea of what you're measuring. You can still measure a projector uh, with a 100 but a 200 or, uh, again, same thing with the CR250, there's a version with, an op with optics and there's a version without. It's the same thing where, you know, if you want to be able to have that viewfinder and kind of look into and, and view exactly what it is that you're going to be measuring, that's basically all that that viewfinder is offering you. Um, for most of our customers uh, and most customers in modern-day post-production environments, I think that that's probably overkill and not worth the extra cost. Right, understood. I was just I was just curious about the projector side of things because I know yeah. um, there are plenty of people out there who have you know small DI theaters that kind of thing, and they yeah. might be wondering, hey, do I do I have to have a viewing system? And it sounds like they can probably get away without it, but if they want to make sure that they're measuring you know uh, right on spot, they can get the the version with the uh, the viewing system yeah. as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just one of those issues of of you know, do you want something nice and convenient where you can look through a viewfinder and say, okay, this is exactly what I'm looking at. Or do you want something where you might have to mathematically kind of say, well, I'm at, I'm at three feet away or five feet away or whatever. <laughs> right, it is. Right. I know that my spot size is going to be roughly this. And so, it, it's, yeah, it's a little more complicated. But um, if it's, you know, if projectors are not your main thing, not the main thing you're doing, then, again, the viewing optics aren't absolutely necessary. Now, I have to ask this. This is the obligatory question that somebody's going to ask probably in the comments of this insight yeah. is, you know, hey, look, I have, you know, the CR100 that's retailing for about, you know, five grand or so. And then, yeah. you know, the next you know, direct comparison would be with a Klein K10, which sure. up until now has kind of been you know, the de facto standard that a lot of facilities are using, um, yep. you know, as, the, you know, as their main meter, that kind of stuff. And I know that you have to play a little bit of Switzerland, right? Because you yep. work, you work with all these companies. But in your opinion, if I was, you know, comparing these, because um, I think the K10 is a known quantity, how do you think sure. that the CR100 stands up in terms of accuracy, quality, all of those kind of, you know, those things that make up a high quality meter? No, it's, it's absolutely a valid question, and um, we've gotten that question from a lot of people who already own K10s, and my very kind of uh, objective third-party advice, as much as I can give it anyway, is that if you own a K10 now, yeah. you don't want to sell it to get a CR100. You're not gaining anything by doing that, in my opinion. Um, what you... What you are faced with, though, as a as a new customer, someone who hasn't purchased a colorimeter before, um, is, is 
is, you know, are you going to spend $2,000 more for the client? And at that point, you really have to look at, well, what's the main advantage? The, the only thing that I think I can honestly put as a huge plus in, for new customers looking at purchasing colorimeters in the client column is that that probe measures a bit faster. So you'll gain about a 10 to 15% increase in speed on most display devices. Um, and if that measurement speed is absolutely critical to you, then the decline may be worth that, you know, roughly $2,000 extra investment. And I don't want to minimize the, the importance of that because may, maybe you run a facility with 40 monitors and you're doing real profiles, you know, with 5,000 test patches and building LUTs for every display. That adds up. <laughs> yeah, you know, those 15 to 20 minutes that you're saving per display when you're doing that many measurements, yeah, that, that's going to make a difference. Now, if you own two or three or five displays, um, you know, is $2,000, you know, a premium worth, right. you know, those 10, 15 minutes you're saving in that, that hour long profile or whatever. So, and I think that's really the, the fundamental question. And then, you know, you go back to the other aspects of, you know, how important is form factor to you and those types of things. Uh, but other than that, really, they're, they're very comparable. I mean, we, we own both, we use both throughout our facility now, um, as well as some very expensive uh, Minolta, you know, CA 310s and devices like that, which we also love. Uh, but you know, if I was running my own little post facility, like a boutique facility, I I'd certainly, if I was looking at a new probe, the, the CR 100 is where I would go. Cool. So let's change gears over to the Spectro. Um, sure. And, you know, uh, for some reason, the Spectros are always like, to me, like they're like the ooh-ah factor for some reason, because, you know, they're, they're extreme accuracy, they're, you know, uh, you know measuring that true uh, spectral intensity. Um, describe to us just real quick for our members who might not be familiar, what is the difference um, between a, a Spectro and a colorimeter? Yeah, sure. So a uh, colorimeter um, typically is going to be a tri-stimulus device. So you're going to you're going to have uh, basically uh, three filters uh, and three sensors uh, that, and you're basically just filtering the light into red, green, and blue, and and that's how you're how you're taking your measurements. Um, a spectroradiometer is different in that essentially it uses a diffraction grating to split the light up into uh, the component wavelengths that make up whatever color it is that you're measuring, and it measures the energy or light intensity at each wavelength. Um, and the nice thing about a spectroradiometer is that a spectroradiometer is essentially what we call display agnostic or light source agnostic. It doesn't matter what type of display you're measuring. You don't need any special offsets or anything like that. It just tells you uh, what the spectral distribution is, what the XY chromaticity is, what the XYZ values are. It, it spits out all that information for you and it's just right. A colorimeter um, is not really a, a light source agnostic measuring device. As mentioned, you know, the better colorimeters will have very accurate filters that more closely mimic the human eye response or the average, average uh, observer's response. But none of those filters are perfect matches, and you really need to calibrate for each type of light source. So a good colorimeter, whether it's a Klein or a CR100 or a Minolta or whatever it is, typically you'll have programmed in or selectable OLED offsets, CCFL backlight LCD offsets, plasma offsets, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to give you accurate measurements. Uh, and that's really the fundamental difference. Um, so 
what we do when you buy a CR100, for example, is there are offsets that are built in for all our display devices. So you'll have you'll have an offset for your CCFL LCDs. You'll have an offset for your OLEDs. And what's kind of neat about this is that as as more offsets are generated, you can just keep storing more and more. So as new technologies come in, you can store those into the CR100. Um, if you own a Spectro, you can do that yourself. If you don't, you can send it to us and we'll do it for you. Um, and so you don't absolutely have to have a Spectro, but if you want to have that future-proof or measuring device that can measure any light source and you don't have to rely on some third party to provide you with a Spectro or with uh, a calibration service uh, to calibrate your colorimeter, then spectroradiometer is where you want to go. So you can do everything in-house and have that absolute in-house reference. So the CR250 is very similar in form factor to the CR100. In fact, it looks pretty much identical, yeah? It's slightly larger, uh, but but not significantly so. So, um, And it is a... Um, uh, but yeah, basically same thing. It's a cylindrical tube that's, you know, machined aluminum. It's extremely durable. Um, and... It, it it's really i mean the the colorimeter is amazing because of the value uh certainly i mean at, at less than $5000 it competes really well with again the 7 and $12000 probes but the spectro is the one that just blew me away <laughs> right, i was right. like you're joking you're, how much is this and you compare it to we i mean we we are invested heavily in in 25 30 40,000 dollar spectroradiometers right, here right. And when you take this device at a, at a quarter of the cost and compare it to those and you see that the readings are essentially identical, um, you just kind of have that wow moment where yeah. you're like, wow, they've, they've hit this one out of the park. And so the price point for the CR250 is what? Just under seven grand. So wow. looking wow. at $6,990. Yeah, I mean that that's that is just unbelievable to me, and it's also in terms of its accuracy and its spectral bandwidth, it's uh, five nanometers, correct? Five nanometer, and I, you know, I try to avoid the the geeky stuff <laughs> to, with, well, with most know, people, but but that's but it good. Is an that's, important that, distinction. Yeah, that's that's really good. I mean, because I think one of the things a lot of people look at is they look at other. Um, you know, uh, spectros out there on the market, even like the very, you know, relatively low end, something like an, yeah. um, you know, like an i1 Pro or something like that. And they go, well, why am I going to spend seven, eight thousand dollars when I can spend a thousand dollars? And that's really the distinguishing point, right? Is the sort of the, that spectral bandwidth, uh, um, how, how accurate it can read. And five nanometers plays with the, with the big boys. It plays with those, you know, 25, 30, 40,000 uh, dollar, a dollar probe. So it's, it's really good. Now, here's a question that I've always wanted to ask you. And I, I sort yeah. of know the answer to, but I think our, our members would benefit from knowing this. So why would I own, I, you sort of explained why I would own both, right? So I could program yeah. uh, my colorimeter with the, um, with the, with the spectro. But is there ever a reason just to not get the colorimeter and just get the spectro? If I was if I was on the fence between the two, could I do everything I wanted to just with the spectro? Absolutely, if you have a lot of patience. Okay. <laughs> that's really the key. Um, so spectroradiometers are phenomenal at at a lot of things. The two general weaknesses of spectroradiometers, even the expensive ones, are going to be low light sensitivity um, and um, measurement speed. So 
we're not talking, you know, the difference between a K10 and CR100 in terms of measurement speed anymore, where, you know, again, in a 5,000 test patch sequence to build a, a very good quality LUT, maybe you're, you're looking at, you know, 10, 15 minutes saved, so an hour or maybe an hour and 15 minutes. Um, now we're talking the difference of an hour versus oh, wow. many, many hours. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, and that's really the difference, um, is, is, is again, that measurement speed. So you can do this and it kind of depends on what you're wanting to do with the CR250. If you have a display that has nothing but very basic gain and bias adjustments and you're not going to do a 3D lot and you're not going to take a bunch of measurements, then yeah, maybe a CR250 is all you need. Or maybe you own just one or two display devices and running a profile overnight for eight, nine hours is not a big deal to you and you, you you have the patience and the time to do that then absolutely you could certainly just do that with a CR250 um, and and do a perfectly good job with that so there I think the time issue is really the key consideration and then a little bit the low light sensitivity I mean you still get very good low light sensitivity on the CR250 certainly it holds its own versus um, other very high-end uh, uh, spectroradiometers uh, on the market um, but you take a, measurements much faster in low lights with a colorimeter and you tend to get a little bit better repeatability in low lights with, with colorimeters as well. So what about, um, using a spectro for kind of like QC then? So if I, if I, you know, program offsets into my colorimeter, I use that to, you know, read 5,000 patterns, build a lot, yeah. whatever. Um, is a good use of a spectro for people trying to, you know, kind of picture where it's used, would that also be sort of in the QC process after you've built a LUT, you're trying to validate it, do a quick color check, things like that, or is Absolutely. that, or is that overkill as well? No, no, you basically just described our internal workflow at, at Flanders. I mean, that, that's what we do here. So you, you do the, the bulk of the calibration with the colorimeter and the colorimeter has been calibrated with a spectroradiometer. And then what you do is, um, when you're done, if, if you're like us and you want to make sure you've gotten it right, you do a separate, you know, quick uh, measurement. So maybe you, you take only 100 measurements with the spectro just to make sure that everything got calibrated correctly. Um, so that's exactly what we do here. And with us, it's even a little bit more overkill because we use one spectro to create the offsets for the colorimeter. Then we do the measurements with the colorimeter. And then we use another spectroradiometer to check it so that we're not just relying on that one ultimate spectro because what if that breaks? You know, you don't have any way of knowing that. So um, so we we get a little bit you know, well, then, you hey, know, that's why that's why people so. <laughs> that's why people trust you guys and love you, you know, for sure. Yeah. Now, uh, the last area I want to cover is just a little bit about software support. Obviously, these sure. are these are new meters, um, and yep. I know you know it takes a little time to get uh, get them integrated um, with the some of the big uh, packages out there like Lightspace and Calman. Uh, are these meters integrated yet, uh, as far as you know, into those pieces of software? Yeah, so that's another great question. Um, the uh, the first thing to note, of course, is that w whether you buy a CR100 or a CR250, it will come with something called um, a CR the CRI application. And the CRI application uh, can run in both Windows um, or on a Mac operating system. Oh, wow. System. Right on a Mac. That's a new thing right for a calendar. <laughs> that's it's, new. It's, <laughs> yeah, that blew me away, too. I was like, wow, you got that figured out already. So, um, so you can run it in either one of those platforms, and you can 
can uh, basically do basic logging. So you can get your XY chromaticity values. You can do things like create the uh, custom matrices for different display technologies um, you know, into your CR100 with your CR250 if you own both, uh, all from their own application, which is provided free of charge uh, when you buy the probe. Um, then in addition to that, um, Light Illusion has already fully integrated the CR100 and the CR250 into Lightspace CMS. So um, if, you, if you have that software, that's already fully functioning uh, and up and running as of today. Um, with uh, SpectraCal, um, CalMAN support for the CR100 is, uh, is coming. Uh, the CR250 might be a little bit behind that from my understanding, uh, but they are integrating those as well. I think they're already in the menus actually when you, when you go there. So they're just, just working out the, the last bit of the, uh, you know, the programming and stuff, yeah. programming that comes with the integration. So, but, uh, certainly those two, you know, kind of you know, main applications that you see getting used um, are, are there um, or will have support soon. They either have support now or will have support soon. They're, they're talking to all the right people. Um, we, we've been, uh, you know, actively kind of pestering everybody in the industry to add support for it as well because we've just been blown away by the performance and, and we want to see uh, everybody have access to, the, you know, probes that can measure as accurately as these can. Well, very cool, Brahm. And like I said, um, when it comes to calibration and questions, uh, you are my my sensei. So thank you so much for uh, taking <laughs> no the time to, uh, to chat with a little bit about this. And just so you guys know, I've actually, um, I'm in the process, end of year spending spree. I'm about to buy one of these CR100. So when I get my hands on it in the next couple weeks here, I'll plug it in, run it through the routine. I'll probably do something wrong and have to call Brom to, for, for a little <laughs> bit of help. Uh, but uh, in a little while, I'll do a, a more of a hands-on review in, in terms of hand, some hands-on pictures and showing, uh, showing people what it looks like, how it works. But in the meantime, um, you can head over to the color imagery research uh, webpage that's just colorimageryresearch.com to learn more about um, uh, both the CR100 and the 200 and their um, their optical variants with the you know the add-on viewfinders and stuff like that and then of course you can head over to Flanders Scientific to not only pick up a couple wonderful monitors but also check out um, uh, the meters over there they have them uh, individually for sale and uh, Brom you guys also have a bundle on both meters right sure absolutely yeah we have a bundle bundle of the uh, Spectro and the uh, colorimeter together, they'll save you uh, about 680 some odd dollars versus uh, buying the pieces individually. Very cool. Very cool. So I'm very excited about these. I think that these are, this is sort of a, a nice sort of landmark in the calibration uh, industry. You know, the price point is great. The accuracy is obviously wonderful. And guys, if you need uh, any further endorsement, uh, Brahms endorsement means a lot when it comes to uh, the, these pieces of hardware. So it's, I'm glad to hear that uh, the team at FSI is using them and endorses them. Uh, and you should seriously consider uh, getting one of these meters for your own uh, for your own calibration work. So for MixingLight.com, I'm Robbie Carmen, And once again, thank you to Brahm Desmond for joining us. We'll see you next time.